0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to New Books in African-American Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Rob Rikis the host of the channel. Today, we'll be talking to Dr. Edward Robinson about his recently published book, Hard Fighting Soldiers, The History of African-American Churches of Christ. Dr. Edward Robinson, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Um, Dr. Edward Robinson, I wonder if you could begin this interview by telling us a bit about yourself.
1: Okay. Yes. My name is uh, Edward Robinson. I was born and reared in Jacksonville, Texas. That's in East Texas. Some, let's say, 100 miles, 110, 20 miles east of Dallas. And that's where I grew up and attended uh, public schools there from K until 12, uh, from a family of 10, um, mother and father, and uh, had am blessed to have uh, four sisters and five brothers. And uh, one of my brothers are deceased. Both of my parents are deceased and um, grew up in Jacksonville. And from there, I attended Southwestern Christian College in Terrell, Texas, and then went on to do graduate work at Harding School of Theology, University of Illinois, and earned my terminal degree in African American history from Mississippi State University. And so I have a lot of interest in American history in general, but African American history in particular.
0: Yes, sir. And um, also, uh, Dr. Rob said, how did you come to write Hard Fighting Soldiers, the history of African-American Churches of Christ?
1: Yes, that's a very good question. Well, uh, Churches of Christ, uh, they are uh, the Church of Christ. It's my faith tradition. That's the uh, religious uh, tradition that I grew up in in East Texas. And I'm still a part of that tradition. And so, as I began to uh, grow and and explore um, academic opportunities uh, on the master's level, I began to just kind of do research on uh, prominent figures in African American uh, churches of Christ. And so, it started like little by little at Harding grad, of course, uh, and and kind of even before that, Southwestern Christian College, you know, that's a, a Church of Christ school. It's a, a HBCU, and it's under the auspices. In fact, it's the only accredited uh, school that's under the leadership of African Americans in Churches of Christ. And then from that school, I went to Harding School of Theology, for my master's degrees, and Harding is also a Church of Christ-related school. And so it was kind of a natural fit for me to kind of be interested in uh, the history of uh, my particular faith tradition. And so uh, so here I am with this uh, new book, Horrified Soldiers, a history of African-American Churches of Christ. But it was a long journey, a long journey.
0: Yes, sir. It um, also, uh, Dr. Robinson, uh, is this your, what, fifth book?
1: Well, actually, this is uh, book number eight. Book number eight. Yes, sir. hmm hmm Yes. My first book was on uh, S.R. Castius. See, I did my dissertation at Mississippi State on uh, S. Samuel R. Cassius was a enslaved African from Prince William County, Virginia, who converted to the stone Campbell restoration movement or churches of Christ. And he became a leader in this particular fellowship. So that, that project there is what laid the groundwork for what I, for what I have done, uh, over the years. And in this, uh, uh, recent book, which is basically a synthesis of what I've tried to, I've been doing over the years. And my dissertation was revised uh, in 2007 and published by University of Alabama Press. And so in, in Cassius, history, learning history, that's what kind of opened up, if you will, the floodgates for me to kind of uh, learn more, and do more on African
0: American Church of Christ. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Dr. Robinson, I was looking um at your at your tables of contents in uh in the book, and chapter one is entitled Brothers in Black Enslaved Africans in the Stole Camel Movement. And and I noticed in that chapter, uh, you do a lot of uh, contextualizing the history kind of, kind of giving a background of what was going on, um, during the early years of the, uh, Stone Camel, Camel movement. And I I was wondering, um, um, how did Alexander Campbell directly influence African-Americans with, with his Church of Christ, uh, doctrine that, that he espoused? Okay. Yeah. That,
1: thank you. That's a good question. Um, Well, Alexander Campbell is originally from Ireland, and he comes to America in 1809. He's a part of the Presbyterian Church, and he breaks from that tradition and becomes a a Baptist. And then he's going to be kicked out of the Baptist, largely because of his emphasis on Uh, baptism for the remission of sins. So uh, the Baptists tended to be more Calvinistic. Uh, In other words, God saves man, while Arminianism suggested that man can contribute to his own salvation by believing, by repenting, and especially by submitting to uh, baptism for the remission of sins. And so those are things, those are some doctrines that um, African American churches of Christ have picked up, you know, through the influence of Campbell, as well as individuals whom Campbell uh, influenced, uh, such as David Lipscomb, who published the Gospel Advocate. And one of the interesting things is that when uh, Marshall Keeble, there I know there's a chapter in this uh, book on Marshall Keeble, and Marshall keeble was the premier evangelist in uh, churches of Christ, really black or white, but particularly African American churches of Christ, he planted a lot of churches that are still uh, thriving today. And one of the interesting things is whenever he established a church, Marshall Keeble would enroll that particular congregation on the gospel advocate subscription list. So yes. those are uh, spiritual believers who were recently converted to the Stone-Campbell tradition, they were nurtured and nourished on the teachings of the gospel advocate, which uh, placed a lot of emphasis on things that Campbell emphasized, the baptism for the remission of sins, the leadership structure of the church, having a plurality of elders and deacons, and uh, some other things uh, like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah yes sir and uh what are some of those mother churches that that Marshall Keeble founded or some of uh those churches that that were uh the first and and uh as far as African american churches of Christ
1: Yes, that's a good question yes, uh some of those mother churches uh, were often uh churches that were established either in the antebellum period okay that is uh before the civil war and the oldest church that i that i was able to find documentation on was a church uh that's actually in salina tennessee salina tennessee called the free hills church of christ which is still an active church it dates back to 1816 so that's the oldest known oldest known african-american churches of church of christ that's still uh, in existence. And then you move on to like Alabama, you have churches that are in the Tuscumbia area that were established um, basically during the Antebellum period or right after the Antebellum period. And you see others that are springing up. In the state of Texas, the oldest known African-American church of Christ is the Antioch. Church of Christ, which was established in 1865, so uh, you had former enslaved Africans who picked up the religious views of their owner, and after uh, slavery, they uh, you know continued to espouse um, the doctrine of of the Church of Christ, and so and that that's that's uh, one of the mother churches in the state of Texas. So you have various Churches uh, that would that can be regarded as mother churches and that they were uh, the first to be planted, and many of those are uh, date back to the Antebellum period and some uh, right after uh, the Civil War.
0: Yes, sir, and um, Dr. Robson, I know you already mentioned um, Marshall Keeble and about mm-hmm. him uh, doing some church planning um who else or, are, are you know who else was uh are, you know could be considered founding fathers of the of the Afro american churches of Christ besides marshall keeble
1: oh yeah uh in fact uh we can even kind of go back I do have a chapter on founding fathers and uh by founding fathers I mean uh, men who actually predated Marshall keeble and One in particular, actually, there are two. uh, A gentleman by the name of S.W. Womack, who was born into cattle enslavement in middle Tennessee. Now, he, along with a black man who's also named Alexander Campbell, they collaborated and established uh, what is now known as the Jackson Street Church of Christ. That's the congregation that really nurtured, uh, Marshall Keeble and helped to develop him as, as a preacher. And so those two individuals left an indelible mark on the life of Marshall Keeble, his, uh, preaching style, as well as, uh, you know, his, uh, social outlook in, in many, many regards. And of those two, S.W. Womack and Alexander Campbell, I would have to say that Womack uh, definitely, uh, Left the greatest impact uh, because Marsha Keble l- married one of his daughters, one of his daughters uh, named Minnie, and so that there was a not only a spiritual bond there, but there was also a um, a, a family bond uh, that uh, was um, uh, quite uh, significant as well. So Alexander Campbell, Black Alexander Campbell, uh, S.W. Womack, and then of course uh, S.R. Cassius is uh, definitely what should be considered a founding father in that he was an uh, active preaching and planting churches uh, years before Marshall Keeble emerged.
0: Yes, sir. And uh, in part two of your um, book, uh, the title is African-American Churches of Christ and the, quote, race problem in America. Uh, mm-hmm. 1900 to 1930, and and chapter four uh deals with the racial thought of of the white churches of Christ uh during this period. I I know that this period was um was kind of uh, not the not dear, nadir because the that uh, the idea was uh after reconstruction lead, leading up to the 20th century but right. but period during uh um, segregation and all that and and the rise of the Ku Klux Klan and just all those different things um, kind of uh, can you discuss kind of um what what the white Church of Christ' racial thought was during this period?
1: Well, yes, yes, that's a very good question. In fact, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I do in that particular chapter is, is point out that there was a um, a white educator from South Carolina, Thomas Pierce Bailey, who I delineated what was known as the racial creed of the Southern people. And I'll just read, it, you know, a couple of these. It says, uh, the rate the white race must dominate the negro is inferior will and will remain so this is a white man's country uh in educational policy let the negro have the crumbs that fall from the white man's table and basically when you analyze and examine uh those particular uh, tenets if you will, of the so-called racial creed of the Southern people. Uh, Another one include, uh, let the lowest white man count for more than the highest Negro. Basically, all of those particular tenets were espoused by um, most white people in Churches of Christ. And this uh, particular chapter is entitled, Making Love to Our Daughter." and that's the title of it. The subtitle is the ratio of the white churches of Christ. And I, I, you know, that might seem somewhat uh, disturbing, but the truth of the matter uh, is that uh, there were many white uh, people in the church of Christ and in society in general, especially in the South who feared interaction between black men and white women. And so um, that's uh, actually a, a quote, actually, from one of the white leaders in Churches of Christ, who who made that statement that we won't don't want to get too close to the black people, uh, because in, if you do, the next thing you know, they'll uh, want to be making love to our to our uh, daughters. And uh, so, the ideal of miscegenation, um, uh, mm-hmm. racial sexual mixing, that was uh, something that was taboo in the uh, uh, first part of the uh, 20th century, and so that affected the formation and creation of African American Churches of Christ because uh, that's one of the reasons why they, they would invite preachers such as Marshall Keeble in so that he could preach to the black people so that they could help establish a church, but they wanted those black people to go to the black churches. Uh, they did not want them uh, to come to their church because of the fear of miscegenation, um, racial and sexual mixing. And I, I make the case that that was largely the motivation for the keeping black people out of their schools as well as out of their churches. Uh, the idea that uh, some white Christians or many if not most white Christians feared uh, the interaction of black men with white women. Okay. So, so that's, that's in, that's in a nutshell the racial thought of white churches of Christ.
0: Yes, sir. And also um, Dr. Robinson, uh, part three is titled the age of Marshall Keeble, 1931 through 1968. And um, and I want to talk a little bit about uh, Chapter Eight: Nonviolent Gap African American mm-hmm. Churches of Christ in the Quest for Civil Rights.
1: mhm Yes, sir. That that uh, yeah, that's uh, um, a chapter I hope uh, that readers would find a very interesting as well as informative. And basically, I, I do my best to probe. Um, and examine the involvement of African American Churches of Christ in the civil rights movement. You see, one of the things, you know, going back to Alexander Campbell, see, mm-hmm. Alexander Campbell tended to downplay social issues. When you consider, for example, like how historically Churches of Christ have focused on, like, the New Testament pattern. So in other words, our, our focus has been on like Acts through Revelation, uh, the book of Acts through the book of Revelation. And so And what what's unfortunate about that, if you neglect the four Gospels and the Old Testament prophets, um, you miss out on some vital teachings concerning uh, God's concern for the outcasts for yes. the widows, for the orphans and, and others, okay? And so, um, and, and that kind of spilled over into African American churches of Christ. And so Brother Keeble, and again, being influenced by the pages of the Gospel Advocate, he tended to downplay, at least publicly, uh, the, the participation of uh, Black people in social and political issues but i make the case in chapter 8 that there were a number of of our uh people in african american churches of christ who were actually out there agitating uh the phrase nonviolent gadflies comes from a quote from uh, martin luther king jr uh yes, in his in his uh, uh treatise uh a letter from birmingham jail and so and he referenced references that, you know, we want to be like, just as Socrates uh, felt it necessary to create tension in the mind of individuals. You know, we, we want to be uh, nonviolent gadflies. And so here we have this uh, situation here where we have individuals such as Patricia Jenkins, who was a uh, devout member of the Church of Christ in Nashville. And she was a part of the Freedom Riders. And so to to man-capture her story, uh, Mary Carr and her mother, who desegregated a uh, public school in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Many people know the story of Fred Gray, who worked hand-in-hand with Marshall Keeble, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Fred Gray, who worked hand-in-hand with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And because he was there in uh, Montgomery, um, and you know and, and he's a good example of one who went against the grain of uh Marshall Keeble's uh political political and social outlook but there were other individuals whom I found and learned about KK Mitchell a prominent preacher in Montgomery Alabama who uh, participated uh, in the the boycott by helping uh transport passengers uh during the Montgomery bus boycott and uh Carl Pitts and his stance that uh, he took, as well as uh, the, polit- the politics of African-American Churches of Christ, uh, in that they were concerned about uh, making sure that in the 1964 election, they were concerned, uh, hoping that LBJ would uh, win the election. And because they were concerned about their social and political Uh, And I found sermons by uh, R.C. Wells uh, and Eugene Lawton, who are recent, you know, uh, and these are men who were very outspoken, outspoken uh, about the issue of race and trying to do all they can to help topple um, racial barriers. And so, yes, so nonviolent gadflies, I hope that that will uh, generate a lot of interest information and inspiration for, for leaders, for readers as well.
0: Yes, sir. And also a chapter that, um, that was a lot of inspiration for me, especially, uh, with the, uh, being a Southwest Christian college Anonymous. Alum, alumnus, um, chapter 11, the magic of education, African-American churches of Christ in the pursuit of knowledge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And in that in that chapter, I I noticed that you discussed uh Southwestern Christian College and you spoke about it earlier uh saying that that's the only uh college sponsored well uh ran yes. African American Churches of Christ. Right, right.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, that that's that's true. And I tell you, uh Southwestern Christian College stands as a testament to the legacy of G.P. Bowser. G.P. Bowser, he was a contemporary of Marshall Keeble. Uh, he converted from uh, Methodism, the Methodist Church, to Churches of Christ, and he brought over his gifts, particularly his gifts of knowledge. He was well-educated, and he used this knowledge to help uh, uh, create a journal called the, uh, Christian Chron- the Christian Echo. Christian Echo in 1902. And he was basically the primary champion uh, for education. Uh, he launched the uh, he launched the school, the Civil Point Christian Insti- uh, Institute, in Nashville, Tennessee, out of the church building that was housed at the um, Jackson Street Church, Christ in Nashville. Then it moved out to Civil Point, and then uh, that school fizzled out. And then he will eventually launch a school, the Bowser Christian Institute in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And that school fizzled out as well, uh, largely because of the uh, uh, context of World War II, people are are on the move, uh, leaving the South uh, for better opportunities. And so, uh, GP Bowser, along with his uh, protégés, which included Ariane Hogan, J.S. Winston, as well as uh, G.E. Stewart uh, and uh, Levi Kennedy uh, launched what is now Southwestern Christian College. It was born in 1948 in Fort Worth, uh, Texas, Southern Bible Institute, and then it moved in 1949 to uh, Terrell, Texas, where it uh, remains uh, uh, to this day. So, yes, uh, G.P. Bowser, uh, believed in the magic of education. He believed in giving, making sure that all black youth, black boys and girls had an opportunity to acquire an education because he believed that that could indeed make a difference in their in their lives. Yes, sir.
0: Yes, sir. Um are Dr. Robinson. Uh, we've taken up a lot of your time um but I have one more question. Uh what are you working on now?
1: Yes, uh right now uh, there're a couple of projects uh that I uh have tentatively ex- uh began to explore and they include uh, I'm I'm intrigued by Orion Hogan and a relationship that he had with a white um journalist by the name of Jimmy Lovell. We have this, uh, I wrote an article for a um, a book that came out, uh, I believe last year, and that uh, article was published in a book, and I looked at the relationship between Arin Hogan and Jimmy Lovell. I'm hoping that I can expand on that. That That's one of the things I have in mind. Um, you know, I, I'll have to do a look a lot more work on it, but um, um, that's one thing I'm tentatively working on as well as um, uh, there are some sources, there are some sources at Abilene Christian University and they have been recorded by a gentleman, the late R. Vernon Boyd, who um, interviewed a lot of African Americans and uh, their interviews were transcribed and and those are available. I'm I'm um, and right now thinking and hoping to uh, do an anthology, um, collect those writings, edit them, and uh, which would allow um, African American men, African American women, in churches of Christ to speak for themselves. Because I do believe, and I am sure that they have a story. They have a story to tell.
0: Uh, Dr. Robinson, that sounds like some uh, good endeavors. Um, I want to thank you for being on this show today. I really enjoyed it. Take care.
1: Thank you for having me. God bless.